1: Rory Stodder
2: Show. I'm Rory Sutter, your host. It is great to be with all of you. I have missed you all since Tuesday. We had a fantastic show on Tuesday. Everything you could want in an episode, just like every episode, every show lately. I mean, it's just a non-stop uh, great flow of conversations.
1: So smooth. Uh, s- such profound and talented guests. Uh, the dialogue is always right on point
2: uh i I mean I'm loving every second of it
1: you know you go we go
2: back I go back and listen uh, to past episodes and, and the way we all mesh and the way the you know the, the show just um you know uh, gets put forward is it, it, absolutely incredible it really is um i wanna i want thank like I do every episode i want to thank all of my audience, my guests, my co-hosts and sponsors. you guys are all incredible. Uh, The show, right now, I mean, the numbers just keep skyrocketing. Uh, We're listened to in 24 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. I mean, that's just crazy, people. Being listened to in 24 different countries and on nearly 70 online platforms, I mean, it's everywhere. It's everywhere, this show. And I've been doing it about a year and a half. And I'll tell you, you know, I, I picked up
1: the mic one day, and it just came naturally. Like I was, I was born. I was born to do radio. I was born for this, and it's uh, it's just it, you know after a while it becomes a habit. It becomes something you're so adjusted to and used to that not not to sound arrogant, but in a lot of ways it's a cakewalk. Once you get it, once you get a, you know, uh, adapt to it. I um, obviously the weekend is approaching. We have a. You know, a big
2: holiday coming up next week, 4th of July, Um, so much to look forward to. And as everybody knows, I will be uh, taking two weeks off the show, uh, heading to the East Coast, going to a lot of places. I'm going to D.C. for 4th of July for the big Trump event. Uh, There's going to be millions of people there. I'm going to uh, New York, going to Boston, going to Providence, Rhode Island, going to Philadelphia, going to Memphis, Tennessee. Going to Mount Rushmore, probably going to Chicago. Chicago is the only one that I'm iffy about right now. I'm not sure yet, but I'm going to so many different places. I cannot wait. And anybody who knows me, and anybody who's, you know, uh, listened to the show for as long, you know, for a long, long period of time, I've never, I've never, I've, I've never really taken
1: a break. I've always been on the air consistently, pretty much every single week. And I will say this. I will say this. Not having radio in my life for two weeks, I wonder if I'll be able to manage. I wonder if I'll stay sane. So I am, I am a guy of structure. I am a guy of routine, and I think a lot of us uh, in this world are.
2: Um, we have, you know, so many things coming out with projects. Um, and everybody, just real quick, I want to mention uh If you miss any past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit our media site, the nextgenusa.com, and don't forget, in the coming, in about a month, we will be launching the new Big Empire Media Network. Uh, It's called Live Media Guide. We're merging it with NextGenUSA. We're raising over a million dollars for this. Uh, We have many notable people that will be doing their own shows on the network, We pretty much have like 80 to 85% of all the slots already filled. And remember, this is going to be a 24-7 network, raising over a million dollars so it can live to its highest extent, the highest potential. Average budget a year to keep it on 24-7, 365 is about 250 a year. The the, the amount of money we're going to be making on advertising, advertising is going to be absolutely astronomical, unbelievably lucrative. Uh, The numbers that were added up of what can be made just in a half an hour is mind blowing. It's mind blowing, and uh, it's so fun, so fun. And as everybody knows, you know, we will be having many people doing their shows overseas. So, and and in the U.S., most people will be in the U.S. Uh, doing their shows. But obviously, like I said, when it's the middle of the night here, uh, people overseas will be doing their shows. And we have people, like I said, all over this country, in Europe, in India, in Asia. Um, so it's it's awesome. It's so awesome. And, uh, we do have going to be the face of the network, and I've already discussed this with both of them, really good friends of mine. Uh, America's toughest sheriff, Joe Arpaio, will be the face of the new network, as well as uh, the uh, head of Jihad Watch, Robert Spencer. Everybody both knows who those guys are. And they have millions of followers, been around a long time, and uh, very lucky to, to have a, a great friendship with them and uh, to have them come aboard. And uh, this is this is really uh, you know going to be a huge roller coaster ride, right? that's for sure. Uh, a lot to get into tonight, guys. A lot, a lot, a lot to get into. Uh, let me introduce. Uh, on the line right now, uh, we have Doctor, award-winning speaker, professor, veteran, technology expert, best-selling author, and currently the Commissioner of Parks and
3: Recreation for Maricopa County. Doctor Bob Branch. How are you, sir? Hola, Rory. Como esta? Tu avi un Mandinga, America grande. Mandinga, America grande. Mandinga, America grande. E tu? No, I I, do, I, I, I thought I'd
1: thought, I, I Bito, thought, a, I thought a, a goof.
3: What a goof, be <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I, you know, I thought I'd show them that, uh, you know, Republicans and conservatives can speak Spanish as well. I mean, come on, oh, yeah. man. The pandering that's going on. Now, Rory, I, I think I'm an intelligent human being. I, I You know, I, I kind of pride very, myself in that. But can, can you explain extremely. to me? Now, you're a younger guy. I'm older than you. Yeah. So maybe you yeah. know this more than I do. But how in the heck does a transgender woman get pregnant? Uh-huh. I, uh, get an
2: abortion. I can't I, even I figure know. it I out. I really don't know. I can't figure it out either. It blows my mind. It's disgusting. <laughs> like I, I'm watching the TV last night, and that topic comes up, and you have uh, – what, what's his name? Uh, Fidel Fidel Castro's nephew, the communist. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Julian Castro. He says men, transgender men should get an abortion. I'm staring at the TV, and I'm thinking to myself, am I in a twilight zone? Am I on a different planet? What, are we in some – Comedy movie? Where are the cameras,
3: you know? <laughs> Where are the cameras, man? I'll tell you what. I, I seen that. Uh, you know, I, I, I had to teach last night, so I watched it when I got home. And uh, transgender woman, which is a man that is now a woman, how does that individual get pregnant? Now, I'm not for abortion, but, you know, if you tell me how that can work, I, I can't figure that one out.
1: Yeah, man, you're telling me. You're telling me. It's, it's absolutely insanity. Uh, for, let, for Beto would also,
2: say,
3: muy loco.
2: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, let, let's also welcome to the show, uh, founder of College Republicans United, currently, and also the founder of Republicans United, and currently the leader of Nationalist United, Kevin Dukai.
1: For Kevin, how are you? I'm
4: doing very well. I uh, really enjoyed I the debate heard. last night because, the uh hollywood just doesn't make comedies anymore. We just have to rely on things like the democrats debating against each other and i thought it was very funny. I got bored halfway in so i don't care to watch the uh, debate tonight.
2: <laughs> oh no, no you yeah. No, i i i uh, i uh i'm curious to see you know the highlights from the debate tonight too. Um i am recording it, but last night it was so entertaining. Jesus Christ. Uh and that will be definitely uh, what we're getting into uh, for the opening story, guys, guys, guys. I'm watching this last night, and I could not keep a straight face for.
1: Not even I. I don't
2: even think I could I could keep a straight face
1: for anything that was talked about. Everything that was discussed, everything that was put on the table, was pure communism. Abortion at any month. At, it doesn't matter which month. Uh, unlimited abortion
2: access, no restrictions. I mean, you know what? And I've said this many times.
1: If you wanted to get an an abortion, get it up to six weeks. When when there's a heartbeat detected, if you get an abortion, then you're a fucking pig. How's that?
2: And usually it's the smelly, low-life feminists who get abortions after six weeks. They have no ethics. They have no morals. They have terrible hygiene.
1: These these people are, are a are like the nastiest of all nasty. They're a cesspool of filth. And, and, and you know, but going back to this, we're seeing last night on this debate stage, you know, every single thing that is being put forward, like I said it's communism, it's third world, it's anti-American. There's not one platform on that stage that they were discussing last night that benefited America. And climate, you know what? The earth has been changing ever since it's been in existence. Shut the hell up with the bullshit climate change. You guys are all idiots. There's more
2: polar ice caps than there ever has been in Antarctica right now. How do you guys explain that? And what about the jackass, the, the, the goofball, Al Gore, you know, saying years ago in 2008, sell your oceanfront property. Everything's going to be underwater.
1: Within a couple of years, global warming is the biggest threat. How long have we been hearing this? Over 10 years. Global
0: warming, global warming.
2: And when I see all the liberal men that are such pussies that I have a conversation with that say, oh,
1: my God, global warming is such a threat.
2: You guys are the – there's a reason we call you soy boys. There's a reason why we call you the weakest breed of them all. You guys obviously don't know science because if you did – you truly were the party of science, you'd also acknowledge that there's only two genders Nimrod. you guys are you guys are like the most pathetic- and you know who's the you know why you're even
1: more pathetic is because you have feminist spouse that boss you around and tell you what to do. There's no manly in you liberal men there's nothing masculine about you fools and I'm seeing yeah you know the global warming and you know let let's go let's go back to uh.
2: Uh, oh, 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 they can't even acknowledge the economy is the best it's ever been. They can't even acknowledge that 70% of people in America right now approve of the economy. Again, that's 70%. And we're not talking about, and that's nonpartisan, just people in general that think the economy is good right now. And the Democrats refuse to acknowledge that. Do you know why? Orange man bad. Orange man bad. Anti Trump, they won't give him credit for anything. The whole narrative and what their sheep are counting on. Is to trash Donald Trump, and like I said months ago, the nominee and the winner of these debates is going to be the person that trashes Trump the most, since the left is so hostile right now, and to an extent of, of anger and, and rage like never seen before, and especially with Trump, because they're they're just, I mean, they, you can't help these uneducated morons, you know, they think they because they go to these they go to these colleges, but they have all these moronic liberal professors that, you know, preach socialism. I and mean, you know what? Why don't these professors work for free? Why don't you idiots, work? you guys are teaching these kids to believe in some of the biggest bullshit ever to exist, killed millions of people. You, got, you, you professors are the pig. You know, going to Harvard, going to Yale, going to Brown, going to these schools doesn't mean anything anymore, not as much as it once did. I mean, it's just like, eh, look at all the people who are millionaires that didn't even get a college degree. Actually, believe it or not, there's more people with college degrees working under
1: people with high school diplomas than are millionaires. True story. Um, you know, I, I think I think um, you know I, I think that you know what where they were going with open borders. They want to decriminalize people coming across our border. They don't want they don't want to penalize them. Oh yeah, just come on in. Can you imagine if that was the visible law? We would not. I mean, you don't. We
2: think right now we don't have a country because how bad it is. But imagine if a leftist was in power and just said,
1: "Oh yeah, come on in, anyone." Do people see what's going on with Europe? No, of course not. These leftists, these leftists are so fucking ignorant. They are. They are. And, and once they're once
2: they're so far gone, I've had conversations with these people. And once they're so far gone, you cannot
1: help them. You cannot. I mean, once they have that certain, uh, you know, uh, jaded,
2: uh, you know, thing installed in their brain, like that, that you know, I mean, they they get, they they just get fixated, fixated on hating the president, and they can't open their minds to anything else.
1: And then, and then we have to hear people like Cory Booker who claims he lives in the ghetto, which I don't think he does, but he's saying he hears gunshots. He's saying he's done all this stuff
2: for minorities. What have you done, dude? Newark, New Jersey is the biggest shithole on earth. You were the mayor there for eight years. It's, 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 it's had the most poverty rate now than ever happened. And then every election, too, every damn election, we got to hear how oppressed blacks and other minorities are, which is not the case. I mean, this is America. Nobody's oppressed. Black unemployment at the lowest it's ever been. Hispanic unemployment at the lowest it's ever been. Asian unemployment at the lowest it's ever been. I don't see anything
1: with oppression there. I see this as the, the place to get the American dream because of capitalism. Capitalism allows us to be, you know, uh, unstoppable. Sky's the limit. So when you put these people in boxes and you generalize and try to say all
2: people of color are oppressed, and not doing good, you're lying. I mean, you guys, you Democrats are lying because the people of color are are doing the best they've ever done. More, they're, you know, like I said, lowest black unemployment, lowest Asian, lowest Hispanic unemployment in history. Yes, and that was because of Donald Trump. And yes, he had to cut over a thousand Obama regulations to get that and to get the perfect economy that we have now. Women's unemployment is almost to an all-time low.
1: This is, I mean, this is this is amazing. We're living in, a, in an amazing time, I will say. Uh, let, let's play.
2: Um, I actually, I want to I want to welcome I want to welcome to the program um, Second Amendment expert, uh, pro gun activist, um, and best-selling author and, and talk show host Dan Walsh. Dan, how are you?
5: Hey, Rory. Hey, everybody. How's everybody doing tonight? I'm glad to be on your show as as usual, Rory. Thanks for having me.
2: Absolutely, my friend. Great to
5: have you here. Uh, I
2: also want to welcome to the show, I believe he's with us, uh, media consultant, Vegas expert, radio and TV expert and activist, David Benjamin. David, how are you?
6: Great. Great to be here, Rory. Great
2: to have you here, my friend. Um, so, guys, I want to I wanna play this clip from Tucker, uh, basically just kind of recapping the debate last night. Uh, and then I definitely want to talk about it. 1-5. Um,
7: Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson. Tonight we're coming to you live Riverside from Kyoto, Japan. We only didn't make it back to our live camera location yesterday. We had quite a journey. We'll show it to you throughout the hour. Shortly, of course, we'll be interviewing the president right here in Japan who's here for the G20. But back in our native land, the United States of America, the Democratic Party went completely insane yesterday. That's been happening for a while, of course. Insanity is a process. But last night At the first Democratic primary debate of the 2020 season, they made it official. Elite Democrats have permanently broken with reality. They no longer care about what's true, what's possible, even what's real. They live in a kind of dream state, a place of fantasy, punctuated by howls of self-righteousness. Watch as Julian Castro, and keep in mind, he was an actual cabinet secretary in the Obama administration. That was only a couple of years ago. Watch as Julian Castro explains that men who get pregnant have a moral right to taxpayer-funded abortions. Not joking, watch this.
8: I don't believe only in reproductive uh, freedom, I believe in <laughs> reproductive justice. And you know, what that means is that just because a woman, or let's also not forget someone in the trans community, a trans female, uh, is poor, doesn't mean they shouldn't have the right to exercise that right to choose.
7: And so they cheered. Behold, late empire liberalism in full flower. Who exactly is the constituency for Castro's idea? Men dressed as women who get pregnant. That's the constituency. Unfortunately, there are precisely zero people on planet Earth who fit that description. Not a single person, actually. There never have been any people like that. There never will be any people like that. Why? Because it's impossible. Biological men cannot get pregnant. Pretending otherwise is lunacy. It's the very definition of lunacy. But Julian Castro doesn't care. Taxpayer-funded transgender abortion sounds like something that all good progressives should support. So Castro fervently does. And critically, he knows that nobody in the room will defend science or pause to ask him, what the hell are you talking about? They can't say a word. They're too intimidated. They know HR is watching. So they nod like monkeys as if everything he's saying is completely sane. Oh, good point, Mr. Secretary. Trans females shouldn't have to pay for their own abortions. That's racist. The whole thing was like a cartoon or an Evelyn Waugh novel. It went on like this all night. Here, for example, is Julian Castro agreeing with Elizabeth Warren that it shouldn't be illegal for foreigners to break our laws. Watch.
8: When somebody comes across the border not to criminalize desperation, to treat that as a civil violation,
7: Criminalized desperation, Criminalized And you thought this was your country, just because, like your ancestors, you were born here. Just because you pay half your income to the government to keep the whole thing going, you thought it was your country. Think again, racist. America belongs to the rest of the world. Your job is to shut up and pay for it, complain, and we'll punish you. Bill de Blasio often makes that point. Now, de Blasio, the single worst mayor in the 400-year history of New York City, that's impressive. But how did he wind up on a presidential debate stage last night? God knows. Maybe he illegally immigrated there. Doesn't matter. He was there. And once he had the mic, de Blasio promised to seize your money and give it to his supporters, who, he explained, deserve it much more than you do.
8: Yes, we're supposed to be for a 70% tax rate on the wealthy. You hear folks say there's not enough money. What I say to them every single time is there's plenty of money in this world. There's plenty of money in this country. It's just in the wrong hands
7: got it we've got the power soon we'll have all the guns and we're coming for your stuff that was the major theme of last night and in case anyone missed it the two whitest candidates on stage decided to repeat the point in stilted spanish
9: cada votar, cada votante necesitamos- La representación y cada voz necesitamos escuchar. Este presidente ha atacado, ha demonizado los inmigrantes. Es inaceptable. Voy a cambiar rest-
7: <laughs> Got that, gringo? You can add the English language to the long and growing list of things the Democratic Party considers racist. How long before you're banned from speaking it? Think we're joking? Right. Better to learn espanol if you want to talk to your grandkids. It's a brand new world. Some of the least impressive people in America are making the rules. Hope you're excited for it. At least men will be able to get free abortions. Even when they weren't speaking Spanish, when Democrats argued it was typically an effort to one up one another on immigration. Who could be most radical? Watch this. I want, to make, about, sure, I want to make sure I'm talking about everybody treated with
8: respect. I'm still talking about everybody but, else. But you're
9: looking at just one small part of this. I'm talking about a comprehensive rewrite of our immigration that's laws. That's not true. And if we do that, that's I don't not, think that's not it's absolutely not for true. People I'm to talking follow
8: about our laws. I'm when talking they come about to this millions country. of folks. A lot of folks that are coming are not
7: seeking asylum.
8: They're
7: wound up. Fox's Ed Henry was in Miami last night for the debate, and he joins us this evening. We're always glad to have him. Good to see you, Ed. How was it?
9: Tucker, good to see you. Uh, Amazing. Round two coming up. Uh, You laid it out pretty interestingly. One of the juiciest parts of this story, though, is that not too long ago, Julian Castro himself said the border crisis was BS. That's what he told CNN. Now he's trying to break out of the pack by beating up on the president, so he's saying just the opposite. It's such a crisis, he said, we need to do something radical. The word you used a moment ago, so radical that Democrat Amy Klobuchar said, time out. She said she'll look at decriminalizing illegal crossings, but said, wait, the real focus should be on going after human traffickers who are hurting women and children and people who are quote-unquote violating the law, which, remember, the president has said not for weeks, but he's been saying for years. Funny because other big Democrats on stage tonight for part two have also flipped. Kamala Harris said dealing with illegal immigration was a quote distraction from the real issues. Bernie Sanders said there was no crisis. Not a good look when apprehensions at the border are up 623 percent from 2017. Then there's Bill de Blasio you mentioned a moment ago pushing that 70 percent tax rate for the rich. He and Elizabeth Warren went further. They raised their hands in favor of ending private health insurance altogether for millions of people. Democrat John Delaney, who was on the stage last night, told me after he thinks that's political suicide for his party. One of the many reasons why the real winner from these two debates, second one starting soon, may be the President of the United States. Dr. Ed
7: Henry, thank you. It'd be interesting to know what labor unions think, who's you know spent 100 years negotiating private health insurance, what they're going to say about that. Well, NBC brought five separate moderators to last night's debate, almost all of them pure toadies to the Democratic Party. And together they spent, not surprisingly, most of the night tossing softball questions to the candidates or questions intended to drag out the Russian collusion hysteria. Here's a selection.
10: We saw that image today that broke our hearts and they had names. If you were president today, Oy, what would you specifically do?
9: Do you have a plan to deal with Mitch McConnell. If the House chooses not to impeach, as president, would you do anything to address the potential crimes that were outlined in Mr. Mueller's report?
4: No U.S. president has ever been prosecuted for crimes after leaving office. Do you believe that President Trump could or should be the first?
7: (laughs) Is Trump bad? He's bad. Lots of softballs, and yet still, no matter how easy the questions, most people seem to agree that former Congressman Beto O'Rourke beclowned himself. After the debate, one obviously smitten MSNBC anchor fussed that he wasn't being taken seriously, Bateau. Watch.
8: I do still think it's interesting that there is just a snark to the way you're treated, whether it's by the media or by the other Democrats on stage and i and I wonder what you' that's what it looked like to me as someone rooting for your, your your rooting for everybody. I think a big field helps all of us. It's certainly more fun to cover, but you were singled out, you were targeted, you were attacked, and I wonder what that was like
7: So you're a blushing fangirl. okay, should you admit that in public on live t v Probably not, but no matter how impressed she was by Batoa O'Rourke, he's still more impressed by himself. Watch this. But what grade would you give yourself for last night? I, I'd give myself an.
1: I mean, I mean, look at look at the situation with these people. They refuse, like like they refuse to acknowledge the border crisis. They refuse to acknowledge how good the economy is.
2: These people are in denial. They are not helping their situation. And you know, we want they they want to do a seventy percent
1: tax rate in free college. Yeah, who's paying for it? Because nothing's free. Who's paying for it? It's just disgusting. Even Hollywood, surprisingly, Hollywood was disappointed in the debate last night.
2: Not radical enough for them. And then obviously Chuck Todd. Uh, He spoke more words at the debate than seven Democrat candidates. Big Mouth, Sleepy Eyes, Chuck
1: Todd, again, spoke more words than seven Democrat candidates. And most of the media agrees that the Democrat debate shows that the party has shifted to the far left. Uh, um, Dr. Branch, go ahead. Well, I'll tell you, that it is – It's amazing. Listening to
3: these people, first of all, we have to understand that two and a half years ago, Barack Obama was president. For the past eight years, he was president. They act as if everything in this country has been Donald Trump's fault, with the exception of all the great stuff, which is Barack Obama's success. To me, they they just make it up as they go on. Cory Booker, well, there was so many people shot in my neighborhood last week. You were the mayor of New York. You were the mayor. Why didn't you fix it? Well, he was the mayor, so why didn't he fix it? You know, it, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. So when you hear these people, as you say, you know, Orange Man bad. You know, this is what we're going to do. Ten- tonight, they said, you want universal health care for illegal aliens? All 10 of them raised their hand. Are you kidding? <laughs> Decriminalize everything coming across the border. Open the borders up. Yes, okay, we'll do that. Free stuff for everybody. Yes, we'll do that. To me, it, this is just insane. If this is what America is coming to, you know we are, you know we are severely in trouble. You know when I when I hear these these, these Kamala Harris tonight, she said because when there was some arguing going on, and she said America doesn't want to hear a food fight, they want to hear how you're gonna put food on the table. I I actually put out on social media, no actually I want to see a food fight. It would be more entertaining than listening to you nut jobs talk about this. it is This is completely insane what's going on. And, you know, free education, free health care, free, free, free. You know, they asked Bernie Sanders tonight. They said, well, are you going to raise taxes? And he went off into, you know, a 10-minute dissertation. Then they finally came back. And this is the first time because last night they didn't pressure anybody to answer a question uh, sincerely. And they said, no, Bernie, are you going to raise taxes? And he actually said yes. So, you know, you're not going to have to pay for health care. You're just going to have to give the government all your money. <laughs> it's incredible to me what people are buying off on. Donald Trump is what America needs. Donald Trump has been making America great, and Donald Trump will keep America great. And that's, you know, that and, and, you know if, if people don't understand that, we're lost. Um, you know, I, I, I'm curious what you know. Everybody else on your panel is going to say, but to me, I cannot believe this is what America has come to. It, it just, it's just incredible. And you see Joe Biden just talking like he doesn't believe a word coming out of his mouth because no. he knows he has to be far to the left, and he's just saying stuff to pander to everybody and to me it it's incredible it's incredible and I, I looked at andrew uh yen tonight for the first hour they didn't even he didn't even speak one word it it, it was it was incredible he was standing there like well are you going to ask me a question instead of jumping in it, 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 this if, if if this is the 10 best democrats they have to i mean 20 best democrats they have to offer you know donald trump is going to win in a landslide
2: yeah, and you know, honestly, I think obviously the mo- I think the most talented person in that whole bunch is Andrew Yen. There's no doubt about it. But I, I, there's no way in hell they will ever give him the nominee.
3: Well, and, and you know, I was really looking forward to hearing him speak. I real, you know, I spent the first hour listening, and finally they started talking about China. Oh, Okay, well, let's talk to the Oriental now. Hey, seriously, and that's the way it was. It was like, oh, you know, okay. Well, we'll ask you know, we'll ask Andrew Yin this. And to me, that, that that should have been so offensive to him. But uh, you know, I wanted to hear from him. You know, not that it would sway me either way. But I agree with you. I mean, what he's done in technology has been quite impressive.
2: Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, I, I am going to get to our guest, uh, John, Dr. John Baker, here in a second. Uh, I'm going to get a couple more questions on the panel,
1: and then we will introduce him. Uh, Kevin, Kevin, go ahead. To summarize, you all did a fantastic job at
4: summarizing all of this. But uh, the bottom line is this: they all want illegal aliens, they all want free health care, they want unlimited access to abortion. And it, something surprising that came to me about all of this is that the most ridiculous, most crazy answers seem to get the most applause from the audience. And you, yep. here's an example. When, we asked, uh, when they were asked, what do you think is the greatest threat uh, persisting today? Uh, an answer like, uh, China is the greatest geopolitical threat today. That got no applause. But uh, global warming is the greatest threat that many people said. And that got the entire room shouting and applauding, and they couldn't be happier to hear those kind of answers. And the list goes on of all these kind of absurdities that would be re- remarked on that uh, were truly just debased from reality. And what really surprising to me is that, There was really no case uh, where uh, you had the more, I would say, sane people uh, that were given the choice to speak, like Yang or like uh, Tulsi Gabbard, being someone in the military, didn't get too much time to to speak. Uh, It was very clear, very clear that uh, Elizabeth Warren was the chosen one of the MSNBC audience. She she seemed to be the alpha female. She spoke uh, of the Democrats, and she spoke very well, very articulately. And uh, I really wondered to see if uh, she's going to make it on to uh, go against Trump. But ultimately, it was very clear to me that uh, it was a pandering fest to see who would be the most leftist, who would uh, criminalize or who would uh, provoke the most, uh, I would say, slander upon these uh, the rich Republican stereotypical narrative. Uh, It was a very communistic uh, narrative that was going on, saying that uh, the money's in the wrong hands, as Meredith Plazio said. I mean, that's just a transfer of, of wealth. Uh, that uh, it's it's the wealth is already very much in the big tech, the big media, the uh, big corporations, the multinationals already. And uh, it by bringing everyone to the lowest level, um, that socialism and communism kind of implies. Is, is not going to make any transfer uh, of wealth other than uh, us regular middle class people and even some of the upper class. They're just going to be put down to, to uh, ground zero. So uh, it was terrible to hear, especially considering that there is so much talk about um, giving away our treasury as if America is just a free for all of social programs and welfare for anyone who wants to come in. And uh I, I really hope that uh it Trump uh does uh, flawlessly in, in uh, his debates. Uh yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. very well said. Um did you have another thought? I didn't I didn't cut you off, did I? Oh, not at all. Okay. Um Dan let's go to Dan. Dan Wass, go ahead, buddy. What are your thoughts?
5: well i I'm thinking about a lot a lot of different a lot of different things to talk about. One thing I wanna say is first of all they're they're up there. The Democrats are up there speaking spanish uh telling Americans that they you know have to share everything with illegal immigrants while they're calling Americans racist and privileged and then ex- uh, shaming them into into th- these votes and into supporting these policies i don't understand how anyone would want to vote for that after you know being shunned like that and treated so poorly that's one thing but but obviously democrat voters still stick stick to their team you know they still support their team which is really what it is this is a team sport it doesn't it does it does have anything to do with Good, what's po- good policy for the country. This is a team sport, and they need to win, and they're committed to it. So, but that that's one thing is bugging me. Um, you know, the idea that um, when they're confronted on, you know, illegal immigration, they say, well, we have to fix the cause of the problem in other countries. Why are they coming over here, you know? They, we need to not focus on, you know, deporting them. We need to focus on fixing the problems that cause them to come over here. So, I, I, in this particular topic, they want to look at the cause of the problem. But then, right. when I when they talk about, you know, their so called gun violence, and I, I'm always saying it's not gun violence, it's human violence. Let's get to the cause of human <laughs> violence. Well, the cause of human violence is their failed policies. It's open borders. It's sanctuary cities. It's it's rampant pharmaceutical drug use. It's, um, you know, it, it's all the thing gun-free zones and welfare dependency. It's all the things that the Democrats support. So when it comes to guns and gun rights and Second Amendment stuff, they don't want to get to the cause. They like to stay on the surface with that conversation. And then the last thing that I wanted to just talk about a little bit is this tax you know this idea that they could they could tax uh 70 percent or whatever to to some of the richest americans well what they're not telling the, their voters is that the people who they would be potentially taxing are earning their money through capital gains they're not getting a paycheck you know these rich ceos they don't bring in you know all that money on a paycheck they bring it in through capital gains, through investments, through businesses, through other, other, other means, and that doesn't get taxed. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to tell the poor people that the rich are taking advantage of them, and they're going to tax them, and they're going to take all that money and give it back to the poor people. It's never going to happen, and it's, it's just a terrible way to try to fool poor people while actually taxing middle class people which is the people that they need to get the votes from. So it's a bunch of hypocrisy. They don't make a whole lot of sense. They don't tell people the truth, whether it's taxes or gun-related things or whether it's border-related. And uh, I honestly, I just don't know um, how it is that more Democrat voters haven't come to their senses yet.
2: Amen, man. I hear you. Amen. Um, I am going to introduce Dr. John Baker here in a second, everybody. Uh, I do want to get one last thought. I'm going to uh, have David uh, give his thoughts. David, go ahead, and then I'll introduce
6: uh, uh, Dr. 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 Baker. uh, I wanted to give give everybody a media perspective. Since I spent my whole career at ABC television, radio, and CBS radio, watching both debates, I didn't think I was really an American anymore. Every single candidate, all they wanted to do was give every dollar and every federal protection for illegal aliens. And I I was joking on Twitter earlier tonight that if an alien landed on the planet in the last two nights, he would love to live here because they don't care about their own citizens. I know that President Trump won in 2016 because I felt the groundswell of most people fed up with eight years of the uh, Obama-Biden Trump comes in, as you mentioned earlier, and gave us the first tax cut since Reagan, got rid of deregulation, helped the people, every class of people, whether it's an African-American, Hispanic, Asian.
11: Everyone's doing well,
6: and the more he stays in office, the better we're all doing. The big thing that most people don't get, and they try to lie to you, is 80% of Americans that make under $80,000 a year got a tax cut. They got less taken out every two weeks of their paycheck. And they try to lie and say the rich kids are the ones that got the money, not the case. I look at this as 2020 landside, the way we're going, and that's just how I see it. Well, you're, at, you're absolutely
2: right, and I, I, agree. I agree with you. I think your perspective is right on point. Um, everybody, I do got to take a quick commercial, and we will be right back. Please stay with
5: us. TGI Friday's famous sizzling entrees that you know and love like chicken, shrimp, and cheese just got even hotter. With new delicious tastes like whiskey, flat iron steak, and the tastiest sizzling street noodles. Hurry in. Now starting at only $10. We bring the sizzle like no other. New sizzling entrees starting at
6: $10. TGI Friday's, the home of endless apps. Endless apps every night,
1: 9 p.m. to close.
11: I didn't think anything was going to work for me until I tried Chantix.
10: Chantix, along with support, helps you quit smoking. Chantix reduced
11: my urge to smoke. I needed that to quit.
10: Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea. I can't tell you how good it feels to have smoke behind me. Talk to your doctor about Chantix.
2: And we are back. The Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast worldwide. Listened to in 24 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit my media site, the NextGenUSA.com. N-E-X, and don't forget, in about a month, we will be launching the brand-new 24-7 Media Network Live Media Guide that we'll be merging with the NextGenUSA. We're raising a lot of money for this, uh, you know, well over a million dollars, because we want this to live to the highest extent. Uh, And as I said, we have about 80 to 85% of the TV slots filled with uh, very notable hosts and and, and talk show um, figures, which I'm very, very excited to uh, uh, have them on board. We will be having this, like I said, 24-7 network. uh, So when it's the middle of the night here, uh, you'll be having people overseas doing their shows. We have hosts, obviously, in our country. Most of them are here, but we'll also have hosts in Europe, India, Asia, all that good stuff. And the face of the network will be my good friend, America's Toughest Sheriff, Joe Arpaio, as well as the leader of Jihad Watch, Robert Spencer, two of my very close friends. And as everybody knows, they have millions of followers, and uh, they're going to bring so much greatness to our, to our network. Uh, I do want to welcome... Uh, and I believe I have him on the line now, uh, popular lawyer, yeah, I'm here. professor, a- activist, and best-selling author, uh, and president and chairman of the Foundation for Self-Government, Dr. John Baker. Doctor, how are you? Welcome to the show.
12: Thank you, Rory. Glad to be here.
2: Uh, your first time on the show, so obviously when, when guests first come on the show, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us uh, about your career, uh, your your success, You know how you got to where you are, all that good stuff.
12: Well, I I clerked in a federal court in New Orleans. I was a DA in New Orleans, tried a lot of cases, went to teach at LSU for many years, worked in the U.S. Senate as a consultant, the White House as a consultant, the Department of Justice as a consultant, USIA, now part of the State Department, as a consultant, USAID as a consultant, um, twice a Fulbright lectured in 17 countries, Visiting professor, several places: France, China, um, Chile. What else? Um, litigating in the Supreme Court, argued twice. Have um, taught with Justice Scalia, Justice Alito, and written some books and articles. How's that?
2: There you go, my friend. I mean, you. I mean, you've lived quite the life. Um... You've done. I mean, you've done quite a bit. You've uh, all all this different stuff, though. I mean, being such an insider in DC and having all this all these different departments you've, you've been involved with on your resume, it's quite impressive.
12: I left out one thing. My wife and I have nine children.
1: Wow! Wow! That's quite a bit. Damn. And uh, so, so grow. So where, so where? where are you from? where did you grow up?
12: Michigan, Detroit.
1: Okay. Okay. And so tell
2: me about your upbringing. What, what, when did you start getting into all this stuff? What made you decide this? And, you know, how were you influenced? Like, Who, who were your inspirations? Now, I was 12 that years stuff?
12: old, the kid next door who was in law school at the University of Michigan. We were talking, and I said, when I grow up, I'm going to be a constitutional lawyer. So I started early.
2: Wow! So you knew it 12 years old.
12: Yep. Mm-hmm.
2: Incredible! Incredible! So, what I, what I do want to ask you is what what is what was your experience like working in these places? Justice Department, State Department, all these different places, you know, in the White House, uh, just in different places in D.C. Tell me about it.
12: Well, I was always a consultant. I was never full-time in these places, so my experience was a little bit different. I, I had one foot inside, one foot outside. And even during the Reagan administration, I realized early on that the name of the game was that the bureaucrats pinned down the political appointees. So you don't realize that the president gets very few of his own people in any of these departments. They're not, in addition to the few who are appointed and confirmed by the Senate, he has certain other political appointees. But relative to the number of people in that department, that agency, uh, they're very few. And they quickly become captured by the bureaucracy. Remember, the number one job of government bureaucrats, and I have a brother and sister who are both who both fit that description, and they would agree with this. Their number one job is to last out whatever the administration is. So um, any new person coming in, they can't do anything without the help of the career people. And you have good career people, and you have lazy career people, and you have resistance career people. And that's, you know, people have just discovered that recently into the Trump administration because it's been so outrageously obvious but it's always been there and their attitude is often we were here before you came we will be here after you leave and if they don't like you they have a a million ways to slice and dice you and a lot of it has to do with leaks to the media and they have all kinds of tricks to make you look bad um Depends on the person, but there are certain vipers' nests in certain departments. There are other places that are really good people. So, anyway, it's just give me. I'll give you an example. I was a transition guy back in the Reagan administration to a, a tiny little office in the Department of Justice that nobody really cared about. But Ken Starr hired me to find out what what was going on there. So, I went over there, and uh, after a while, I transitioned in. The guy, that, a friend of mine who was appointed to take it over. And the first day he got in, he discovered that 300 employees who had been fired had been rehired. So when they confronted the acting director and they asked him, Well, you know, what's going on here? He said, Well, you know, OMB, Office of Management and Budget in the White House, they wanted to fire fired, so we fired them. We figured they only cared about the stats, and we know that uh, Congress really wants us to spend this money, and we, they want us to keep these people on. So we hired them back as temporaries. I mean, that was just one example. So then the guy's in a while. He calls me up one day, and he says, look, my general counsel says uh, I can't do X. I said, well, that's crazy. Send me the statute. I read the statute. And I said, there's no reason why you can't do X. And so he went back to the general counsel, and the general counsel said, I wrote the regulation, and that's what I intended. So you can't do X. Ridiculous. Okay. Problem was this this guy was under Reagan and the Democrats controlled the House at the time, and the Oversight Committee was run by a Democrat who called him up and said, "If you don't do what I want, I'm going to you know I'm going to destroy you." What happened right. was that that the the lawyer in his office was married to the chief of staff of the Oversight Democrat. Okay. We used to call that the Iron Triangle, where the relationship between the bureaucrats and the media is such that if you give them trouble, they start to undermine you. Now, it's formalized now these days into the resistance. And if anybody doubts the resistance, they just don't know how it operates. In virtually every place under this administration, in all the agencies that I've heard about, you have an active attempt to stop Trump's operation. Even though under the Constitution, the president is responsible for the executive branch. So, for instance, in the State Department, which is really bad, it took forever, has taken forever to get anybody in there. And that was because, even though the Senate is in majority control of the Republicans, Senator Corker, formerly in the Senate, he basically deferred to Senator Menendez, a Democrat. Menendez didn't want any changes in the in the uh, State Department, so virtually nothing happened. So it, it goes on and on. And the President has to you know, the president can't keep watching all this stuff. And even his staff can't. The big four are Defense Department, State Department, Justice Department, Treasury Department. That's the ones that you have to worry about. So if you look at the other agencies, um education or housing and urban development, you know, nobody pays that much attention to those places. And on the one hand, that means that if you send somebody out there and they've never been in government before as a secretary, depends on who they get to hire around them. Depends on whether those hires are young or experienced. It depends on whether they're really committed to doing a good job for Trump or whether they're really interested in just their next job. I could go on and on about this, okay? These are the things that the American public has no idea about.
2: Does this does this factor into to the deep state situation? I mean, is this kind of all related?
12: Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of it, I mean, there are certain conscious conspiracies in a sense that there's active resistance. Other places it's inertia. Other places, people actually want to to cooperate with the administration, but because the appointments are being held up, they don't know what to do. That is, until, the, until a nominee is confirmed by the Senate, that department is going to continue the policies that were under the Obama administration. So in many ways, the Obama administration is, is continuing in those places where we don't have new people in. And I know some of the new people, not – We've got some really good people, but we've got some people who are just there to get the next job. They don't, some don't have any guts. They won't stand up. They're worried about their career. They're lawyers, some of them who want to go back for a big law firm. The law firms are controlled by liberals. The law firms are controlled by liberals not only internally, but by the corporations. And if their name gets to somehow be uh, mud in some way, they're not going to get hired. That's the name of the game. That's what people refer to. They know it's a swamp. They don't understand why it's a swamp or what to do about it. But that's what the situation is.
2: Yeah, and you you and I were chatting earlier uh, on the phone about this whole census thing. I mean, stuff like this factors into them trying to stop the president's agenda, correct?
12: No, absolutely. But, But you can take it, especially in the Census Bureau, You can take it back, and you can lay the blame at Congress where it belongs. In the 1920s, Congress failed its constitutional requirement to reapportion the House of Representatives. They simply didn't get it done. And because they had gridlock back then and couldn't get anything done, in 1929, they turned it over to the Census Bureau. And from the beginning, we started out having marshals, US marshals conduct the census. And then in the progressive era, we went to quote professionals, statisticians. And now the head of the Census Bureau has to be a statistician. These are numbers people. I got a son-in-law who's a PhD numbers guy, okay? That's great, we need numbers people. But we need people who understand policy and the Constitution. And this is an important issue, involves representation. And basically what the Supreme Court decision today is blocking, at least temporarily, the census question on citizenship is the fact that for at least four of the members of the Supreme Court and maybe the fifth, um, what was wrong was that Secretary Ross didn't defer to the, quote, experts in the Census Bureau. Well, wait a minute. They're the career people. People elected the president. The president is supposed to be running this thing. This president is supposed to be able to tell him what to do. But according to at least four members of the court, no. He's, there's, he should defer to the experts. Anyway, that is the refrain that ever since Woodrow Wilson put these ideas out there, many, most people teaching government Teaching constitutional law I believe that's the way it's supposed to be called the administrative state that's what we have
2: very very interesting and what tell tell everybody what what you um what your company
12: um well, it's not a company it's just a it's yeah, just it's a small your, your chairman, non-profit. chairman
2: of the foundation for self government yeah but it's
12: we have a, the better thing is to go to our website, which is called Our Citizenship. Um, our Citizenship Counts, because the attack on the citizenship question is that it will intimidate immigrants. Well, first of all, the people that are talking about intimidating are not immigrants. They're illegal aliens. The only people who are immigrants are people who have been given a legal right to be here and a path to citizenship. The others are not immigrants. They are aliens. They are illegal (laughs) aliens. Now, the left is simply lying about terminology. It's it's flat-out lies, and we have to pierce through those lies. Yeah, yeah,
2: and uh, you know, we you heard us talking about the debates earlier. Earlier, obviously, what are your thoughts about the debate? The debates last night.
12: My thought is to avoid them. I'm I'm not interested in looking at them.
2: Did you see any of the clips? Any of the highlights?
12: No. All All I know is they all want to go as far to the left as they can, and that's fine. It just guarantees that Trump will be reelected. Yeah.
2: You're, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. I, I do want to get into uh, something very important uh, in terms of uh, a discussion. You know, we're seeing right now that Robert Mueller was just subpoenaed uh, from the Democrats to testify. These people can't give it up. I mean, these, these people are, are not going to be, uh, you know, happy uh, with, with the outcome of this situation, uh, the, dem, the Democrats, you know, think they're going to get, you know, things, you know, said to them or put in front of them that they haven't already seen. Or, or they just want to, they want just want to make this political theater, and, and they want to make a huge, you know, spectacle out of this, and keep trying to lead their voters down the wrong, down the wrong road. I mean, you know, you know, how, how do you how do you see this? I mean, you're a lawyer. There, there was no ever – there was never legitimate cause to, you know, start the investigation. They illegally obtained the FISA warrant. You had Obama's campaign spying on Trump. You've had, you had all of this stuff, uh, Hillary Clinton, uh, you know, and, and Christopher Steele and, you know, uh, Fusion GPS. I mean it, it goes on and on. This, this makes the Nick, Nixon situation look like, like nothing. I mean they, they, this is – this is really scary stuff, and the fact that it's being so overlooked by the media, and, and basically, you know, uh, people are trying to say on the left that it's, this whole situation is exaggerated, and it's, you know, it's just over overly, overly explained and, and, you know, blown out of proportion, which is, it, 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 I mean, these people, the fact, how they live in denial, and, and how they can, you know, be the biggest hypocrites on earth, and, you know, you know they expect us to take responsibility for the smallest things that don't even matter, but they avoid they avoid responsibility on everything, especially the biggest things.
1: So I you
12: know well I, I try, try to get people to take it. And, and I'll it. tell you i say t- t-
2: one last thing. I want to say one last thing. But you know when you see all of these departments like the FBI, like the CIA, that you know were behind this stuff like John Brennan, James Comey. It makes you think, and pretty much know, you know, almost 99%. If they were doing this, you know, secretive and, and dirty, corrupt stuff with Trump, they're definitely guilty. They're, they're guilty of millions of other things. We just don't know it yet. I mean, if you if you abuse your power once, you're going to do it a million times because you know that you know you can get away with it, and it's like an adrenaline rush for these people, and they they love it. They 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 love. Uh, you know having having all the power and, and you know being power trippers and uh, I tell you this is a bad swamp, but
12: go ahead, sorry, well, I try to get people to um take a step back, and when we get too much in the weeds, the problem is that many ordinary Americans tune out because they don't they don 't want to be arguing about these things the The particulars that you talk about are a symptom it's not the cause and i like to talk about the causes the fundamental cause is that we have diluted our basic protection in this country which is not the bill of rights yes the bill of rights is important but our fundamental protection that all of the founders those for the constitution and those against the constitution believed was separation of powers The key plank in the viewpoint of Woodrow Wilson and all of the progressives since then is that the separation of power structure of our Constitution is fundamentally flawed. You have to realize that the intelligentsia for over 100 years has been committed against the fundamental doctrine of this country. They have been recreating a new constitution around what is called the administrative state or other people call today the today um, the deep state. It was the founders' design worked out to prevent the consolidation of power. What the administrative state does is to consolidate power. People think that the president consolidates the power. No, it is the executive branch that consolidates the power. The president doesn't control much of the executive branch. He doesn't control independent agencies. De facto, he doesn't control many of the agencies below the political appointees where the resistance is. And even where there is no resistance, there is a subservience to Congress because of their budgets. As James Madison said in Federalist 48, the most dangerous branch is the legislature. And that's hard for conservatives to understand. But you have to be vigilant about the legislative power because, as Madison said, it's very difficult to constrain it. So our system was set up so that Each of the branches would have sufficient power, but that power would be channeled and checked. That's the problem. It's not just the particulars. And I try to get conservatives to realize that they're looking at the weeds and they're not looking at the big picture. The left is very strategic. And it understands what it is against. And it is going against it. And the in the left, especially in Congress, they work in lock sync because they they have one principle and that is the consolidation of power. Mm -hmm. The Republicans they're in an area where the forces tend to consolidate power. They try some of them to resist some of it. But the machinery of government is such these days that it is very difficult to stop the the Centralization of power
2: and where where do you see um, this whole newer you know how how do you how do you picture this all going down i mean what, what do you see what do you see happening in in this situation i mean you know you know my you know my thoughts on this are Democrats aren't going to get anything answered that they haven't already you know received, and you know I think that a lot of this is political theater, but what are your thoughts? An abuse of
12: power, but go ahead. Well, it it is political theater. I mean, I've testified in Congress. I've been a consultant to vote in both the House and the Senate. I've been beat up in the Judiciary Committee by Democrats. And it was at a time when the Republicans controlled the House. And yet, this is some years ago, the Republicans were all gutless. They were in the majority supposedly controlling the committee and it was the Democrats who had the had the bare fists and knuckles on that were beating us up. But it was it was all about the cameras and theater and all that. It's not about getting to the truth or anything else. It is just about the cameras. Probably the worst thing that happened for democracy is cameras in the Congress.
1: Yeah. No, no, I, I hear you. No, I, I hear you. Uh, my panel definitely has some questions for you. Let's start with Dr. Branch. Dr. Branch, go ahead. Yes, Dr. Baker, first of all. Thank you. Cutting out a little bit,
6: Dr. Branch.
3: I just now wanted to say, Dr. Baker, thank you very much for being on the as a guest tonight. Uh, it's very enlightening uh, and, and to have somebody of your stature and also your background uh, because many of the issues that you've talked about, we have talked about, but you've you've lived it up in Washington D.C. Can you can you tell us? Uh, first of all, uh, I know that you touched on some of it, but as far as the census and what it means to include illegal aliens in the census, but also you see many states now. Uh, issuing uh, documentation, for instance, driver license to undocumented citizens, I mean undocumented aliens. What does that do as far as citizenship and also how does that affect us going into elections? Uh, Could they possibly vote?
12: Well, of course they can. Um, So I teach mostly foreign students, actually. And I'm a proponent of increased legal immigration. And I make the distinction because we are a country of rule of laws. Moreover, we are a country like unlike any other in that we don't have a single ethnic or religious or racial basis. So what holds us together is our citizenship. Indeed, we are the first nation since the Roman Empire to have citizens. It is a mistake to call people who live in China, citizens. I teach Chinese kids. I love Chinese kids. But they're not citizens. They're subjects of the Chinese Communist Party. The colonists in this country were subjects of Great Britain. So we dilute the term citizen when we apply it to people who are not able to have any voice in government, any aspect of self-government. They're not citizens. Citizens refers to those who live in a republic and who can participate. Okay? That doesn't exist. So now in this country, people think of a citizen as somebody happens to reside in a place, period. They confuse citizen and resident. You can have many residents. You can only be the citizen of one state, even though you're a citizen of the United States. You can move around the country in this country. You can become a citizen of one state, leave that state, and go to another. But you can't be a citizen legally of two states at the same time. You've got to be one or the other. Citizenship is supposed to mean something. Anyway, that's what I'm most concerned about. If we lose the concept of citizenship, we lose the concept of self-government. Those people who think they're citizens of the world, you know, I don't know what they're smoking, but you can't be a citizen unless you're within a governed community. And unless you think we should have a world government, you're not going to be a world citizen. Now, many of them just mean world citizen. They mean they're cosmopolitan. But what they're saying is they don't have any patriotism, really, or attachment to any particular country. I travel all over the world, but I'm a patriot here. I love other countries. I'm not there. I'm not citizens of those countries. It's my country. That's what it means to be a citizen. And unfortunately, in our schools, generally, across the country, they're not teaching this. You know, sure. what are they teaching? Environmentalism. That's the new religion in public schools. Environmentalism. Well, yeah, I want to clean the yeah. environment, especially after going to Beijing. You don't want the dirty air of Beijing, but that's not the same as turning it into a religion where you worship Mother Earth as opposed to a God creator. That's the difference. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, Kevin, go ahead.
1: Well, I'm
4: incredibly honored to have you uh, – to get to talk to you on this program. Uh, I'm just going to get right into it. Uh, as you were saying before about this creation of the deep state that's persisted for around a 100 years at least and uh, how much unconstitutional oversight uh, this kind of agency has where the president has uh, little authority in the grand scheme of uh, being able to put his hands into uh, the operations of these committees, I, I really want to hear from you. Uh, what you think is the greatest threat out of these committees, and then what could someone like Trump uh, do uh, to basically fix this deep state issue? I mean, if, if anything could be done, because it seems to me that, uh, of course, the legislator is the biggest issue as far as all these terrible uh, laws that are being created in order to bring illegal aliens in and just raid our treasury and, and, the, and the like, but also that we have a Supreme Court – that has more issues to handle than they uh, could possibly deal with in a, you know these few years that we have left of Trump uh, before we may have another Democratic president that may screw everything up. I just want to hear from you what you think uh, can be done about all this.
12: Well, again, I take you back to the founding. Um, the whole thing is to make sure that no one person or party or group controls all power. Anybody who has power will want more power. They always think it's for their own. They they convince themselves that it's for the good. And maybe they believe that. And they often they do believe that. But they can't necessarily distinguish what they believe is good and what other people believe is good. If it were possible, either any party that grabs the whole of Congress, if they could, what they want to do is pass the law administer the law, and judge the law. That is what separation of powers is designed to stop. The legislature is supposed to make the law, hand it off to the executive branch that may be in unfriendly hands. Therefore, that should incentivize the Congress to write carefully because if they write too broadly, they might hurt their friends. But what the administrative state does is to overcome that. See, Congress is all about, and this is Republicans too, the name of the game is avoid accountability. Take credit for everything and deny responsibility for everything. That is how their world operates. They are responsible for so many of the messes, either by by commission or omission, and then they always blame others. It's the name of the game. Madison understood that. This is not something new. It may be worse, but it's not something new. What's gotten worse is that we have eroded the divisions that kept them separate. On all of what Congress is doing in the, or what the House is doing to try to huff and puff and do everything, they can't prosecute anybody except through impeachment and and the radical Dems in the House want impeachment and Pelosi wants to get reelected as speaker she's not going to get reelected if they impeach Trump the best thing that could happen politically for Trump not for the country but politically the best thing for Trump would be for the Dems to impeach him It would it would be a wonderful gift to him it would damage the country but he guaranteed to be re- reelected
6: uh
1: Dick,
12: Dan know.
6: go ahead
2: dan go ahead dan was he there
12: apparently not dan. you'll have to come out with a question
2: <laughs> all righty i'll i'll uh I'll introduce real quick uh retired police chief homicide detective and activist Michael Alsey. Michael, you've been listening. What are your thoughts?
11: Um, I agree with everything the attorney said. Uh, In fact, quite impressive,
12: Uh, quite
11: a career. I I have some thoughts on the uh, Mueller investigation. I kind of think there's a feud going on right now in the Democratic Party uh, because I think Nadler and Schiff are probably in districts where they don't have to worry about being reelected. I know where I live, we have a representative that never has to worry about being reelected because he's never going to be challenged. So I think the feud going on is I don't think the other Democrats in the House really wanted Mueller to testify at all because he's going to have to answer some very, very serious questions. And I think the primary one being is when did you realize there there was no collusion? When did you (laughs) realize there was no crime committed by the president? That date, in and of itself, is enough to to destroy the entire investigation. Mm-hmm. And I think they're very, very concerned about that. I'd, I'd be really surprised if something doesn't happen that this thing does not go off as planned. Uh, my question for uh, your guest is uh, the SES. is that, Does that play into the hands of the things you were talking about? Uh,
12: the what? The I, I didn't one, hear the you.
11: From from what you were talking about as far as Congress is concerned and the power and, you know, how newcomers don't have a lot to say, I was wondering, is the senior executive services, is that all part of this?
12: Well, the senior executive service is is a place where you can put politicos without having where – they're not what what are called – you know, presidential appointments that have to be Senate confirmed. I mean, I think it would depend on various agencies. The character of each agency, just like each fraternity on a campus is different in one sense. And yet in a way they're all the same. That's their bureaucratic mentality. And while some people stay all the time in one particular agency, there are others who jump from agency to agency so I don't know exactly how to answer your question. Um, I did I did want to comment on two things you said. Well, first of all, I, I don't know whether I mentioned I was a prosecutor in New Orleans. And um, the best did, experience I think. I think anybody can have is, is to serve on a jury. And, you know, I work with police officers. I have my own police officer as an investigator. Part of what we've gotten away from is self-government and the way you teach self-government to people is to stick them on a jury and have them have the responsibility of deciding the liberty of a, of a defendant. You know, are you going to put this person in jail? Are you going to make sure there's proof beyond a reasonable doubt? And if you serve on a jury for a while, certainly in a big city, a crime ridden city, you'll realize that many of our cities are, are, uh, not in very good shape and you begin to realize a lot about the lives of other people and areas of the city that you don't live in. So um, I thank you for your service, officer. It's a, it's a tough job, but uh, it's needed for the protection of our, our communities. Only, however, in a self-governing republic as ours, do you have the expectation that people will largely, overwhelmingly obey the law, because I think you know that if even a very small but large small percent of people refuse to obey the law, it is very difficult for even the best police force to hold it together without pretty strong force, certainly in large cities.
11: Well, and I, and yeah. I think that uh, it goes right along with what what we see in society. Especially in a lot of the uh, major cities right now, uh, with police-related shootings and things like that, they've created a perception uh, that uh, somebody's going to be on their side. So even if they're the bad guys, somebody's going to be on their side. We didn't ha- we didn't deal with that issue before. Uh, you know, and, and I always tell people this like when I give a talk or something. You know, the the biggest re- reason people don't commit crime is for the those, fear of being caught in the ensuing punishment. You know, when we start taking that away or lessening that, you know, then the crime rate tends to increase. And um, I don't know. I I think, you know, we're letting the radical wing of the Democratic Party control the party. You know, there was an interesting article in the New York Post that talked about the perception gap you know democrats and republicans you know actually think there's two times more radicals on the other side than what there is right however as the educational the the liberal perspective of, of republicans actually grows worse they think they think as though they now are the mainstream and so they're, we're right extremists and so I have to blame the education system and what we're teaching in universities and things like that now. Uh it's just unfortunate for the Democrats that I think the party has been hijacked some time ago by by radicals. I don't believe that all Democrats are truly that radical.
12: Well yeah? I s I think is I don't know what part of the country the your station is based in. But I do know that things do differ quite a bit around the country um, and the perceptions people have i like I like to point out that the overall approval of Congress is is always low, and yet most of the time when you ask people in their own home district about their representative, they think that representative is wonderful or at least pretty good. So how is it that we can have a situation where Majority of the people think Congress is awful, and yet the majority of the people think their own representative is fine. How does that work? Well, the reality is that there are huge differences among the people in this country, and the differences are growing stronger. Why? Because we're in each other's face in a way that was never possible before electronic communication.
1: Oh, yeah, hostility.
2: Hostility is at an alt I mean, I've never seen hostility to this extent. I mean, we are at a, a whole new level of hostility and violence and you know uh
1: all this stuff. It's crazy.
12: You're not gonna like this, but a lot of it's due to the media. That is, in oh, the sense that of course th- there's there's a key element in, in the founding that's problematic today, and that is Madison explains that the way you keep peace is spreading people out across a vast country, where they cannot communicate easily with one another. That's yeah, a key sure. principle in our founding. That is, it's true. that's very problematic today.
2: We do, we do got to go to a commercial here in a second, and I do got to let you go. But I, I'm, gonna, I'll get uh, a la- last thought from uh, David. David, go ahead. What are your thoughts?
6: Well, being in the media for the last 30 years, it's interesting, as your guest you just said, social media has changed everything. We can all go on Twitter, Facebook, uh, uh, and instantly give our opinions whether they're good, bad, or ugly, and you get an instant reaction from up to a million people, two million people. And it also, though, helps the country and helps the president, I think, because he gets to get his message out instantly without having the press and mainstream media who really doesn't like him. … compared to Obama, who they basically you know smiled at every day and thought he was God. So it, it's good and it's bad. I would just hope yeah, that the majority of the, the – I just hope the majority of the people, after watching the two Democratic debates, say, are we really a country that wants to take care of people that don't live here over our own veterans, disabled, poor, and homeless? So that's kind of just – it's frustrating to me to watch this because I've never wow. seen our country this one-sided. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really bad right now. It really is.
2: Um D- Dan, I'll try you one more time. Dan, are you there? Dan, was.
5: Yeah, you know, I was just I was just listening to your guest and he made a great point and I never really considered it uh that when when people are separated over a vast uh area, a, a large area of the country and they're separated without a lot of communication, He's absolutely right. You know the the hostility and the confrontation uh, is almost non-existent. This is similar to when you know I remember being in you know uh, elementary school or even junior high school, and you know us us boys would get together and we we'd fight and we we'd uh, you know we we'd cause trouble you know elementary school on the playground and we'd be. We'd be messing around and fighting with each other and doing things like that. And the teacher would separate us and that uh hostility, that anger, that, that disagreement would kinda of dissipate as we went about our our own lives and we 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 got into, you know, other things. So it's a really right. great and very interesting very interesting thing and I'm gonna look more into it now that I'm thinking about it because it's, it's interesting to me how that concept it, uh, really works. And, and he's the first person uh, who's brought that up. Uh, well, makes perfect that's sense. because
12: so, you're not, you're not taught the founding documents. We, this is the key, key argument
2: by Hamilton and
12: federalist nine and Madison and federalist 10. The mm-hmm. problem is our students, even though there are 18 States in which high school students are supposed to be reading the federalist papers they don't read them they don't read them in right. college generally they don't even right. read them in law school this is the structure of our constitution that is virtually unknown to the american people
2: and and john uh please please tell everybody john where they can find you and connect with you invite you know check out your work and buy buy your books and stuff like that
12: well right the books that I've written, most of them wouldn't be able to read at this point. Um, the we have a website for this. It's called Our Citizenship Counts. Uh, just okay. Google that and should pull up the website. And we're just we're just started it and we're pushing things into it. But I've started tweeting stuff. I never tweeted it before, but I started tweeting some stuff today on the citizenship case, and they're running it for me as well. Okay. Sounds good, my no, friend. and, well, and I we'll did definitely... a, I did a podcast. I did a podcast today explaining the the Supreme Court decision. It's you can find it on the Federal Society's website. It should be up if not today, tomorrow. Right. And uh
2: okay.
12: you know, I go through the whole decision.
2: Okay. Sounds good. Well, we'll have you back again soon. Uh thank you, sir. I appreciate
1: it.
12: Thank you, Roy. Y'all take care. All right.
1: Bye. We'll be right back, everybody.
13: Would you know what to do in the event of an active shooter, a terrorist attack, or an unforeseen altercation? Whether at home or in the workplace, SkyRay Security can train you and your employees how to defuse a potential violent situation. Our goal at SkyRay Security is to keep our clients safe. With our professional and experienced Israeli Defense Force trainers, we teach strategies for safety that may someday save lives. Sign up at Skyraysecurity.com for our workplace violence prevention and training classes or call 240-888-0682.
2: Hello everybody, this is Rory Soder from the Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else, and all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. Hello everybody. This is Rory Soder from the Rory Soder show. Please visit the donaldjtrumpstore.com for all your authentic, customized and creative President Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find products like this anywhere else and best part of all, it's made here right in the USA. Use MEGA45 at checkout for 30% off your first purchase. Again, visit thedonaldjtrumpstore.com today for a wide variety of
10: great selections. Thank you. Is video a part of your strategy for 2019? Hi, I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, your remote video production specialist. Using equipment you already own, I help you deliver high value videos to your audience. From interviews and demonstrations to online meetings and trainings, I work with you to shape your stories and subjects that demonstrate your subject matter expertise. If you're a product specialist, sales executive, or business owner, we make video production simple and affordable. We do this so that you can make videos on a regular basis, whether it's daily, weekly, or monthly, to communicate about the topics and discussions that are important to you, your audience, and your business. To make your videos, we use HD video conferencing that allows you and your guests to connect to our studio from your home or office using your laptop phone or tablet once you and your guests have connected to our studio we do all the rest we take care of the tv graphics the intro videos the outro videos the music the behind the scenes production everything that it takes to either live stream or locally record your video for post-production editing to social media whether it's youtube facebook twitter linkedin you name it if you're tired of seeing the empty balloon commercials that are being made by your competition's social media experts give me a call i work directly with you the subject matter expert to help shape your story and ideas in a professional and polished manner via video. If you're ready to take a deep dive on your expertise and showcase the essence of your business via video, give me a call or connect with me online. I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, the remote video production specialist, the doer's resource for online video production.
2: And we are back. The Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide. Listen to 24 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or any 24/7 breaking news coverage, please visit our media site, the Next, Nex Gen Gen USA dot And uh, don't forget, in the coming in, in about a month, we will be officially launching uh, the Live Media Guide, which is the new 24/7 network that we're raising over a million dollars for. We have about eighty to eighty-five percent of the show, the show slots with hosts already filled up. So we have about fifteen to twenty percent more uh, hosts to look for. So pretty much almost completely filled up. Many notable names doing their own shows. Uh, We'll be having people all over the U.S. doing their own shows and overseas. Um, And the main, uh, the main faces of the network who will be, uh, you know, being like the poster people for it are my good friend America's sheriff Joe Arpaio, as well as uh, my good friend uh, director of uh, Jihad Watch, uh, Robert Spencer. Everybody knows both of those guys. They have millions of followers. They've been around for a long time. And uh, very excited. I, I can't wait for this network. I mean, we're going to have White House credentials. We're going to have all, the, all these capabilities and, and all this special access. So, you know, it, it's, uh, life is really good right now. Uh, I do want to welcome to the show um, – sex therapist, activist, and best-selling author, Don Michael. Don, welcome to the show. How are you?
13: I'm good. How are you doing tonight, Rory? Thank you for having me. Absolutely,
2: Don. Well, uh, your first time on the show. So I'd love to yes. kind of, uh, you know, get, get a little bit of your background, how it all started for you, how you became a sex therapist, you know, the different things you've accomplished. Seems like you've, uh, you know, done quite a lot. It's impressive.
13: Thank you. Um, I started out as a communications major, and I did public speaking. I actually uh, competed on the speech and debate team, so I was kind of a geek. (laughs) And then I went on to get my master's in marriage, family, child therapy. And from there, um, I decided that I wanted to get my Ph.D. in human sexuality, because when I was counseling couples, I noticed that they were not really dealing with some of the problems they were having sexually, and so that's how I started down that route, and since then, I've written two books, and um, writing is my passion, so I've probably published thousands of articles, as well as expert opinions in Cosmo, Glamour, Huffington Post, Bustle, Martha Stewart, and just this past year, I kind of came out that I was a Trump supporter and a conservative. And I can tell you, in the field of sexual health, I think that ninety-nine point nine percent of my colleagues um, are liberal. Are probably liberal, <laughs>
2: yes. Of, of course, of course. You know, I, I actually—it I, it seems to happen a lot. I mean, did they did they really hammer you for this? Was it really bad?
13: You know, um, I lost a bunch of my friends on Facebook, and a couple of my colleagues, um, you know, just decided not to talk to me anymore. I got hammered more when I started leaving comments um, under President Trump's tweets because I'm very active on Twitter. So they went after my business on Google, on Yelp. They went after my book. So, yeah, there's definitely been a backlash to coming out. But I'll tell you, it's, um, I'm a patriot, and I just can't keep quiet anymore. I, really? I believe, I believe in, in our president. I think he is doing an amazing job, and everything is thrown at him. And every day he gets up and he fights for us. So I just yeah. can't keep silent anymore. Yeah, and
2: isn't isn't it isn't it terrible how we have to how people have to be silent in their professions? Like re- society, and, re- and the reality has come to that that people can't even say that they support Trump with worrying about being fired. I mean, isn't that just
13: ridiculous? It, it's really awful. Um, part of the problem is I think that when Trump came out. Like for me at least, I was basically in a stupor for eight years when Obama was president,
1: Mm -hmm. and I
13: think that I got woken up by President Trump, and I started to do my own research, and I think that he really has had that effect on the people that are awake, but I think there's still a lot of people sleeping through this.
1: Yeah, yeah, and
13: let
2: me let me ask you this because let's, let's face the facts.
13: Liberals,
2: they care about feelings more than facts. I mean, these people are so oversensitive. They are the wimpiest of all wimpy, weakest weakest breed of them all. Obama, you know, created this whole narrative that they all get trophies. What what is the uh, sex therapy rate for you know like feminists and all these different females now? Has has stuff gone up with different people since the the, the political spectrum has you know gone a little uh, you know it, I mean it's so hostile right now right now so many people I and mean, what, what what's it like? I think
13: I think what I'm seeing is the media has really hyped things up and they've taken it to a new level and what they're doing is they're stirring people up, getting them emotional telling them basically the world's going to end, that everything's so terrible, and it's all based mm-hmm. on fear, and that's really what they're operating on. And so right. when, you, when you look at, like, let's say the Democrats, where they're um, doing their speeches right now and they're debating, I, I turned on the TV, I got instantly depressed just listening mm-hmm. to them, as opposed yeah. to turning on a Trump rally where I feel patriotic, I feel happy. Right. I feel like right. I'm part of something bigger. And I think that the media has really done the public a big disservice, truly.
2: And how, how do you feel, like how do you feel about some of these women, I mean actually pretty much all the women on the left, you know, c- coming out and saying, you know, there were, there were a bunch of articles, especially when Trump won the election, how – you know, women can't date men anymore because of the era of Trump. I mean, what are your thoughts on that sort of silliness? I mean, these feminists, these smelly, nasty feminists, you know, making these sort of comments.
13: I think what they're doing is they're really touching upon maybe some women who don't like men and they're playing off of that. Uh, I believe that there's a lot of women who really do love men and do – want to have healthy, great relationships. But again, the media is focusing so much on the negativity. That's all that people hear that turn on the TV or in the articles that they read. So one of the...
1: Go ahead.
13: I was going to say one of the problems that I see happening is the way that we're talking to children in school and how they're trying to um, talk about, you know, sex education and they're bringing in the the story hour. Yes. And the transgender. And, and so I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of people and I've worked with people that were in transition over the years. Um, I've worked with all types of people And I can tell you that the minute this became politicized is when it became a disaster for everyone.
5: Right.
2: Right. And And I've always always considered like the LGBT community, especially on the left and also, you know, the the feminism movement and this whole drag queen stuff. I mean, it's definitely, it's a style of terrorism because what they do is they shove their ideas down our throats. And if we don't accept them, You know, we're bigots. We're not allowed to have our own beliefs, but for some reason, they're allowed to live the life they want to live. Get the hell out of here. You can't have it both
1: ways. These people are ridiculous.
13: Well, I think what bothers me the most is, I'm going to go back to to kids again, is this whole um, thing with transgender, and I put it out on my videos, is that they are exposing children to this at a young age. And then and, and before a child goes through puberty, they don't really know much about themselves. And even after that, and, until their 20s. And we're, and we're
2: hearing about all the reassignments, too. Like now in certain states, they're offering children to get transgender body part reassignments. And I'm just disgusted. Sorry, continue, though.
13: OK, so part of the problem with that is they're conditioning these kids to think that certain parts of it are normal. And what's happening and what I'm seeing is people in their, you know, teens and 20s, some of them are very sexually confused. And a lot of this is because they're <laughs> viewing things that make them sexually confused. And they wouldn't be that way for the most part if they hadn't seen certain things or been told certain things. And the yeah. the other problem is the, the people that I worked with, Maybe they were going through hormones or they were having some issues. Right. But this whole whole jump to um, to take off your body parts <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, I wouldn't advise someone to chop off an arm or a leg. Oosh,
2: oosh. Just thinking about it just makes me sick.
13: So this is this is where I, I think things have gone so ridiculous. Okay, is This entire aspect that we have to change our bodies and rush to that when these people really need to be in some therapy and figure out uh, why they're feeling that way, you know, what's going on in their life, um, what went on in their childhood. And I know I'm jumping around on this a bit, so there's just, there's so much information I have on this that I haven't really been able to uh, get out to an audience and talk about, so...
2: And, and give a, give us some examples of what people come to see you for, like give us, like what's I mean obviously you, I mean you can you can say that stuff up, you know, but like in terms of like some of the I mean, I'm sure a lot of the stuff is graphic, right? Um,
13: I would say that I would say that seventy five percent of the people I see are actually probably traditional married couples, conservative married couples, okay. And okay. the other 25% um, maybe have some other issues and they're single. So I work, obviously, with people that have sexual problems. And it it can be that someone's, you know, had cancer and they've had prostate issues and they have to learn how to, to deal with that again. Or they have a loss of intimacy in their relationship. So those would be kind of the day in, day out stuff. Um, the other more extreme would be somebody who is um, confused sex like there's something well I don't label people sex addicts because I think people develop a behavior pattern
2: yeah what is that even what does that even really mean I mean there's just some people that really like sex I, I don't think that makes them an addict but you know I mean it was, no. you know school I though I'm not the expert but I think a lot of people <laughs> think the same way I do but oh, go ahead sorry.
13: Well, I think they get labeled that way because they're usually in a relationship and their spouse um, notices there's a problem, and so they'll tell them to go get help. I mean, that's normally what I see, and then I'll deal with that. If you're talking about someone like Anthony Weiner or someone who is, you know, yeah. So I wouldn't call an addict because then that takes the responsibility away from them. And so I want to say that they need to be responsible for what they're doing and they need to get help for that and not make an excuse. A lot of them go away to these places and it's just a big excuse, you know, and they come back and, and um, do the same thing over and over again.
2: And I, I, do, I do want to ask you, uh, you know, I, I, want to, I want to play this clip, and this was from the other night on CNN. Um, Anderson Cooper was talking to the whack job, nut job uh, you know, the one that's making the false rape accusations that Trump took her in a dressing room, you know, in the 90s, but if you've seen this woman, uh, no, nobody I, I, I mean, you could be a guy could be paralyzed and he still wouldn't you know, do anything with this chick, um, but it, it's amazing how what these people come out with their stories, uh, and apparently she has a book coming out, so this all makes sense with the, the fabrications and the lies, but I do want to play this real quick, and then I want to get your thoughts on, on how how these mindsets work. This is ridiculous. One, one, seven.
5: Victim. You don't feel like a victim. I was not thrown on the ground and ravished. Which the word rape carries so many sexual connotations. This was not. <laughs> this was not sexual. For, it just. It. It hurt. It just. What. It just. You know. Well, I think most people think of rape as a. I mean, it is a violent. Assault. It is not. I a think sexual... most people think of rape as being sexy. Mm. Let's huh? take a short break. Let's think of the fantasies. Mm. <laughs> We've just got to take a quick break. If you can stick around, we'll talk more on the other side. <laughs> <Okay>. You're fascinating <laughs> to talk to. What? This centipede is a nimble.
2: How do, how do, we, how do we explain these kind of people?
13: Okay, so. My gut reaction when she was talking that way is I truly thought she had a crush on the president. I mean, that's really what came to my mind because she kind of glorified it. She made it out to be something, like she said, sexy. So that that was my first intuition. I mean, obviously she has a book that's coming out. So Mm -hmm. she's on there promoting her book and she probably got paid to do this. So, i mean i don't have we heard about her since that interview
1: mm-hmm. what, what, sorry what'd you say last part
13: have we have we heard of have we heard from her since that interview? Has anyone else wanted to talk to her?
1: yeah she goes back and forth
2: on her story i mean this woman is psycho and we saw people like you know the woman with um that was accusing Kavanaugh of all this crap that was the uh the one that looked like uh, Garth from Wayne's World is Garvey. What's her name? Uh, Bowsley Ford.
13: Oh, yes. Yes, that was another interesting character. Um,
2: yeah, and and just I, all these people that keep coming forward. Sorry, go ahead, though.
13: No, I mean, I, I think that something definitely happened to her. I'm not sure what, right. but it definitely wasn't Kavanaugh, and she definitely was put up probably, to it, no doubt about it.
2: And you probably see a lot of people that, like you know i i mean god i mean what's the most extreme case you've ever seen in one of your sessions can you can you speak on that
13: <laughs> oh there's so there's so many and i i try to be i mean for me i have to be um i have to be very neutral okay and i i've seen a lot of things and i have to be that way when someone comes in to tell me about problems that they're having they're coming to me for help so I don't ever right. want to to make them feel uncomfortable. But yeah. I've worked with people that have had all kinds of fetishes. I mean, anything you can imagine. <laughs> and and when I hear one, I think, oh, I'm, I'm going to hear, you know, this is going to be it. I'm never going to hear anything else like this. But, no, I do. <laughs> and they, they all have kind of the same theme to them. And I do have a YouTube channel where I have probably gone over almost all of the different fetishes on there.
2: Yeah.
13: So I do talk about them in more detail. (laughs) But um.
1: Go ahead, sorry.
13: Let me see. So, okay, Uh, I've had a couple of um, people talk about automobiles. So they had an automobile fetish. And I don't want to get too graphic on here. well, some, some you know, guy those, was
1: sticking his, his some guy was sticking his
13: Venus in the
1: exhaust pipe. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Are you serious?
13: Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so there's been a couple of those. There's ca- castration fetish. There's um, there's small penis fetish. There's you know the obvious ones the peeing fetishes, the pooping fetishes, who, leather who fetishes. The hell is a small, who,
2: Who the hell has a small penis fetish?
13: There's people that have small penis humiliation fetish where they like to be humiliated for the size of their penis.
1: People are so freaking weird. People are so weird. Um, And what else? Keep going. This is interesting.
13: (laughs) Well, but they all, uh, most of them I have found in my studies is usually around, and they're mostly men, by the way. There are women that Mm -hmm. have fetishes, but it's mostly been men that I've worked with. And it all starts around the age of 13 where maybe they have seen something that Mm -hmm. stuck in their mind and then that's where the testosterone kicks in. They masturbate to it. They think about it. And so then it becomes kind of imprinted in their mind. But some of the stuff can also happen from a, a, a child being abused. So, you know, it, it sounds funny in some ways, when we talk about it. But for some of these people, it's quite painful, and and they they don't want to have the fetish. That's why they're coming to me for the most part. They want to try to manage it, or or it's ruining their lives or the relationships.
2: And there's a lot of this, there's a lot of this, do a lot of these problems with these people. Because I've heard some really bad stories that uh, why people end up in sex therapy, and a lot of them say because. It's first, like a lot of these people say it first started with pornography. Do you have a lot of people that had a bad problem with that?
13: Yes, there are issues with pornography, and it's getting worse because of pornography.
2: As a sex therapist, how do you feel about it? I mean, do you feel like it's a big problem for people? Like, what do you? How do you? How do you see it?
13: I think the problem is that our children and our teenagers now have access to pornography on their cell phones. They're watching it at school, in the bathroom.
1: Yeah.
13: And parents don't know this. They're not aware of it. And um, and it's not just your, you know, I I don't want to say normal, but your everyday pornography. The stuff out there is extremely violent. Uh, You know, violent towards women, violent towards men. It's just a lot of it is very violent now. And so our children are seeing this and it is affecting them, and I can see the results now working with people in their 20s. And it has a profound effect on some adults, and it has really messed up their sex lives. It has made them um, confused over their sexuality, what they're attracted to. So yeah, I do see it as a problem. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, all these no, one, no
13: one's really talked, go ahead.
1: No, go
13: ahead. Go ahead. It it's a double-edged sword because you know, it's like the days where they had Playboy the the you know, the, the pin-up models and <laughs> stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Uh, it, all that stuff.
13: Par- parents aren't aware um that all this stuff is available to teens and kids, and I don't think they're right. aware about how violent it is and how extreme it's gotten and what, you know, the access that they have to it now. And parents need to talk to their kids about it and they need to yeah. tell them, you know, the dangers and they need to explain it to them and um, so that they they can process what they've seen because most kids have seen it. That's just a fact. For sure. Uh, we'll
2: go... Yeah, absolutely. We'll go into closing statements. Uh, Dr. Branch, go ahead. I'll get your thoughts. Uh, I'm going to have everybody do about a minute because uh, we are running low on time, and then I'll have you do your plug. So, Dr. Branch, I'll start with you. Go ahead.
3: Yes. Hi, uh, Dawn, Thank you for being on. Actually, uh, I'm the academic uh, kind of on the panel here. Uh, I was the. Uh, I just ran for superintendent of public instruction for the state of Arizona, and I'm fighting. The current superintendent, because she wants to bring in comprehensive sexuality education, K-12, based on uh, Albert Kinsey's uh, philosophies. So I really, I, I know we don't have any time here to discuss this. I was just typing a message to Rory. I want him to please get us in contact, because you said you have so much information on this, but you don't have a platform. I'd like to give you that platform. Uh, this is for the state of Arizona, and I'd love to talk to you about this because uh, I just stopped it. We we just were able to stop the Board of Education on Monday. Now we need to make it into law that uh, this can't go on. Uh, so if you would like to talk to me, uh, please give your contact information to Rory. Uh, my website is drbobbranch.com. That's drbobbranch, B-R-A-N-C-H dot com. I'd love to talk to you about it, but thank you for your work. And thank you for being oh, a absolutely. conservative and coming out and supporting Trump. Uh, of course. That's, that's an honor.
13: Thank you. And I definitely Let's do look. want to talk to you about that for sure.
1: Per- perfect. I'll get you guys in contact. Kevin, go ahead. Well, thank, thank you, you for it. all your Please
2: work. And
3: real quick, Kevin, uh Doctor Branch, do your plugs real quick. Yes, I, I did. Uh dot com. That's DrBobBranch.com. dot com.
4: Okay, perfect. Kevin, go ahead. Well, thank you so much for your work. I'm very sorry to hear about all the hostiles in your uh, your profession and all your uh, customers that are very liberal. It seems like a very common occurrence with all these different professions. It, the Democrats seem to be all very kumbaya inclusive. We we accept everybody except if you're a conservative, of course. And it seems like they cause incredible disunity at the national level. And uh, being the top of the pyramid of, of all this but of course you go down the pyramid you got the states you got the counties the communities these are groups that are all fighting against each other but most importantly the foundation of it all being the family and i i just grieve at the thought of knowing that there's so many different families that are being broken up because of this trump derangement syndrome so uh, i i know that you have a lot to, to go through with uh, a lot of customers i'm sure so uh, thank you for all your work
13: oh you're welcome absolutely and Dan, I and,
1: Dan, and
13: I, oh, I Oh, go ahead, go ahead, sorry. Oh,
1: go ahead. No, you were saying something to Kevin.
13: Oh, I I, I was just saying <clears throat> that that's my mission, is to work with married couples and, and kids and to really keep the family unit together, and I really do promote that, um, and religion and family is so important. And so that's really what my stance is and that really what that's really what drives me in the work that i do
4: well thank you very much yeah. uh well my name is kevin you can find me on Nationalist united on social media or dot great show thanks thank buddy you. uh let's go to dan
2: Watt. dan go ahead
5: well great conversations as always uh you know rory and guests have been fantastic and you know having dawn on here is very interesting to me because um it's a little bit out of normally uh the the people that we have on that you have on here and i'm very interested because when when she talks i i'm starting to see how there's really a a uh a deviant uh almost deviant mission sexual mission um that's happening in our society and it's really disturbing yeah. Um, you know, with trannies in schools teaching kids and and these radical, you know, radical feminism and, and just so many different, um, uh, you know, and then the, the transgender um, manipulate, you know, physical manipulation of, of bodies, of children's bodies when they're really young. There's a whole sexual thing going on here that I don't understand at all. I see it. It looks really Really dangerous, destructive, and deviant. And I just wonder what the underlying mission is of all of this. And um, I'm gonna I'm gonna get off now. But I will I'm gonna leave my my website. And I'm hoping Dawn will maybe comment on that just a little bit. My website is uh, goodgunbadguy dot net or goodgunbadguy.com dot com. So thanks thanks so much. And Dawn, it's been great listening to you.
13: Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, thank you. Wow, what a what a great question. Um, there's so much that I well, can we, say, but I, 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 I don't know. I'd
2: the for you to answer it, but we really don't have time. I'll definitely have to okay. have you back, and we'll talk. So we literally have a couple seconds. Uh, David, go ahead.
6: Oh, I just enjoyed the conversation, Don. I'm just troubled as an uncle of eight nieces and nephews when I see parents uh, going ahead with transgender surgery for a seven-year-old. It bothers <laughs> me. It's wrong, and thank you yeah. for everything you do.
13: It's, it's and David, child do you abuse tell is what it
6: is. can connect with you. You do the best place is right on Twitter. It's the Toyman One. Great to be here. Perfect, here. Perfect. All right, my
2: friend. We'll have you back. Um, Thank let's you. also, last but not least, uh, Michael, I'll go to you real quick. Please tell everybody where they can connect with you.
11: Uh, Michael Valsi at uh, Twitter. Um Perfect. I'm on Perfect. there. Uh, feel free to DM me or send me a message if you have a question. Don, I just wanted to say, being in law enforcement, uh, people wouldn't think, but uh, I saw a lot of uh, sexual fantasies played out that, re- that resulted in bad things. And, uh, oh, yeah. you know, appreciate people that do the kind of work you do because the more you can help these people, the less police have to deal with them on the other side. Yeah. So uh, Thank thanks you. for your work.
13: Thank you for your service as a police officer. Thank you. Very,
6: very true. Um, so,
2: yeah, so M- Michael, thank you, and uh, we'll definitely have you back soon. Um, please uh, tell everybody where they can find your work and connect with you, Don.
13: Yes, uh, it's Dr. Don Michael at thehappyspouse.com. That's my website. Mm-hmm. And I have a Twitter account, which is SexCounselor, and a YouTube account, which is SexCounseling.
2: Excellent. Uh, We'll definitely have you back again soon. And thank you for appearing on the show. We appreciate it.
13: You're welcome. Thank you.
6: All righty.
2: I want to thank everybody uh, for tuning in tonight. It's been a fantastic show. I want to thank all my guests, my audience, my sponsors and co-hosts. Our show is listened to in 24 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. Uh, Everybody, as you guys know, I will be on vacation for two weeks. I'm headed to D.C. for the 4th, going to New York, Boston, Philly, and uh, many other places. Can't wait to tell you about my trip when I get back. Uh, I'm Although I'm not scheduled to do any shows for the next two weeks until July 15th, I may do a show or two on the road. I uh, haven't decided yet, but if I do, it'll be unexpected and out of the ordinary. Um, but everybody, I hope you all have the best holiday. Uh, I'm going to miss you all. I, I don't know how I'm going to go without radio for the next 2 weeks. I've never I've always been on the radio every week since I since I started, so this will be a change of pace. But I love you all
1: and I'll see you all when I get back. Thank you. I'm Rory Sodder. Mega mega mega. God bless everybody. Cheers.